The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S.com. Ladies and gentlemen, most likely gentlemen, you are about to listen to the podcast of terror. This podcast is terrorable. That's terrorable, not terrible. It's actually a great podcast, but it is terrorable. It is full of terror. It's discussing movies that are full of horror and terror, and that means there are probably going to be adult themes, and there's going to be adult words, you know, curse words, bad words. Uh, There's going to be references to potty humor based on the hosts, Matt and Corey, who I love. So if adult themes, adult words, and potty humor are not your thing, or if spoilers for terrorable movies are not your thing, then this terrible podcast is not for you. Listen to something else, maybe 90s percentile, the worst episode ever, a Simpsons podcast. But if you do like terror, you love things full of terror, you love terror, then this terrible podcast is for you. Podcast of Terror coming up right now. Matt, have you ever had phone sex? <laughs> all, all, all the time, actually. It's my favorite form of sex next to dry, dry sex. I mean, it, it doesn't get much drier than, than casual conversation. So in my day, phone sex was a very different thing because when, when you get on there, the first thing somebody would usually ask you is, what are you wearing? Yes. And, and you, could, you could lie. You could say whatever the fuck you wanted because it could be, I'm wearing Z Cavaricis and a members-only jacket because I'm cool. Uh, and I just was done shopping the chesking. But that is, unfortunately, nowadays, it's like I'm wearing acid-washed jeans and a striper T-shirt. And people are going to see it because of social media and, and, and when you tinned and when you grind or whatever. And, and I think it's important to put your best look forward. That's very true. But you also have to keep in mind that the striper shirt might be in now. I mean, you it's, go to Kohl's, it's you buy yourself wash. a striper shirt. Oh, it's in the wash, though. You shoot, prove such a valid I, point. Now, I, I had it on for five days straight, man. Now, my question is. Do you know of a place in which I can purchase new clothing at a potentially discounted rate for listening to this podcast? Not just new clothing, but hot clothing. I'm talking about the real tight shit. I'm talking about stuff that's going to make your nipples feel fierce. Your nipples are going to pop? Wait, you're talking They're about gonna... my nipples are going to pop? What? I mean, not as much pop. I know yours are inverted. But it, they will feel safe and, and protected. And, and those places, uh, should you care to go to them, are thehate.com, that's www.thehvii.com, and our other buddies over at Statusphere Merch. Now, both of these are friends of the shows, and that's why we advertise them, but also it's because they've got great stuff. They do. They got some fly-ass gear. They also got spring spring and summer lines coming. They're going to keep you fresh looking all fucking, all fucking year. It is the right time to shop. So if you happen to go looking for some new clothes, go to thehate.com, use our code HBG15, get 15% off your order there. And if you're also interested, check out statusphere.merch.com, use a code TEAR, get 15% off there as well. Episode 86 of the Podcast of Terror, a production of the Galactic Network. I'm your host, Matt Stein. With me, as always, is 
Corey Scott. I, I'm sorry, I don't have a good nickname. You weren't prepped. You had nothing to say about me. That that actually hurts worse than some of the shit you said about me on air. It's like now the love is completely gone. You don't even have the abuse in you anymore. I'm that much of a fucking staple in your house. I'm just like the fly on the wall that died six years ago, but it's stuck there because you painted wrong, and I just never got to release. And so I'm not even falling to the fucking carpet to get vacuumed up. I'm just one less thought in your fucking brain. I was going to call you I the crusty you cum sock from underneath my bed. See, you shoulda, woulda, coulda. Shoulda. Uh, how are you, Corey? I'm good. 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 Uh, this week, our guest is the creator of a YouTube cartoon. I personally fucking love this thing. Uh, it's called The Texas Tardigrades. Brett Zebarth. Brett, how are you? I'm good. The show got dirty pretty fast. I, I warned you. I warned you before okay. we started recording. The shit gets We have real. a disclaimer at the beginning. We're okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we had, to put, right. we had to start putting a trigger warning on it. Yeah. Sometimes shit happens. Uh, so let's go. I want to. I want you to talk about your show because okay. people. I've I've tried pushing this off on a couple of coworkers, and I don't know how to describe it. So I'm hoping you can do a good job of that. Yeah, I can do an okay job of that. Um, of course, it's always difficult to describe it, but I always just say it's like the elevator pitch is like King of the Hill in a microscopic world. So that's kind of an easy way to kind of set the tone, you know. Mm. Um, when you think of King of the Hill, you think of them. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, yep. uh, but you know you think of those guys standing out on the curb, drinking beers, talking. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if that was necessarily the the uh, how I created it, but it, it's definitely an inspiration there. And then you know tardigrades are such a weird, weird creature. I mean, I read about them a few years back, and um, you know, they were, uh, you know, th- this crazy thing that can survive all these, you know, impossible elements. And so I thought, well, you know, a mixture of microscopic animals in, with Texas accents, um, fishing. And, um, you know, I, I knew that I wanted it to be somewhat safe for work. Um, you know, I, f- I feel like short and safe for work, something that people could watch in two minutes, uh, you know, sneak it behind their boss's back and not be, you know, st- <laughs> you know, they can click it, watch it, and then in and out, and they're not going to offend anybody horribly. Um, hopefully they get a couple of laughs in, and hopefully I have, you know, you can follow a bit of a narrative arc. Uh, you know, we're do- season one will be ten episodes, and there's a little bit of a, a little bit of an arc to these characters, you know. Well, there's um, actually two episodes that were to be continued that I remember. Yeah. Yeah, I've done a few where it's like, uh, uh, you know, where, yes, it, it, the action ends and then that action will pick up right where it left off. Uh, most of them start like it's like a new day and they've got different T-shirts on and, um, you know, uh, again, I, I, I want to I, I want to try and keep it isolated enough to where if you were to come in on episode three, you wouldn't be completely lost, although you might be completely lost anyway, because some people don't even know what a tardigrade is. So <laughs> that's, that's been, that's been an interesting thing is like, I guess if you're trying to explain the series to somebody or explain it, sometimes you have to just back up and be like, Oh, do you know what a tardigrade is? Because some people don't know what that is or a water bear, you know, and you have to explain it as this like weird little thing. So um, it's been interesting, you know, it's an interesting, yeah. I usually just yeah, say we, they're two minutes long. Just fucking watch it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's another thing. It's like, uh, you know, it's hard to get people's attention for 
uh, I did a web series before with Mike Diaz and each episode ran about six minutes long. And it's like, that is like just pushing it a little bit too long. You know, like, uh, I mean, I thought it was good. I thought it was funny. Um, but uh, it's like at that six minute point, you're really, you know, in this world where there's so much content, it's, you know, you got to be able to grab people and, and yeah, two minutes is like, Hey, it's two minutes. It won't kill you. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's probably how I'll start selling it now too. That's it's a good. I mean, a lot of times just fucking watch it. <laughs> I've made that complaint many times that there's too much shit to watch. Yeah. So if oh, if yeah. it's between not watching something or just two minutes, like yeah. I'll, I'll give you two minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole world, everybody now is competing with like Game of Thrones quality shit. I mean, Damn, it's like bad. this. Yeah. I mean, whether you like the show or not, you know, it's like <laughs> you, you know, you. Th- there's so much good content out there now. It's really insane, you know. Uh, I've been finding. Um, I just finished watching the night of that HBO miniseries, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, what the fuck else did I finish? I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of shows that I'm really, really into, and they're really good. And then you get to that last episode, and then they just fall flat. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he, all he said was, "Well, they can't all be Breaking Bad." Like, I, yeah. Yes, but you got to see it through. Yeah. I, I don't make tv shows or cartoons so far be it for me to tell you how to do what you do but yeah yeah that, that's if you make a fucking tv show just make it good the whole time yeah fucking assholes well thanks yeah. for coming yeah it's fun to fun to finally have you on we've been trying to figure this one out for a bit i think either that or we just set it out i don't know i don't of, know that was a lot of beers ago we started that discussion uh which that, um, so that could have been yesterday is what you're saying. That's if that's your like, time yeah. constraint, it, it was a lot of beers ago. So, noon? <laughs> 11.30 this morning? Uh, yeah. I, I, I had a pretty bad headache <laughs> earlier, so I'm <laughs> drinking the pain away at this point. Um, but yeah, so thanks. Thanks again. Um, yeah. For more on this podcast, including show notes, contact information, subscription links, go to gncast.com slash pot. You can chat with us on our Slack channel during our shows at gncast.com slash sign up. While there's, you can subscribe to our newsletter. Um, if you're new to this show, I think I do this every week, but this is probably, you should go back. Go <laughs> The go worst earlier. episode. Go back we, we assume. Yeah, we're not even five minutes in and we're already like, no, fuck this show. We screwed it up again. Yeah. Uh, we're going to cover some news and we're going to get into a movie. We're going to talk about 1994's In the Mouth of Madness, which this is the first time I've seen it. And uh, I had not really heard of this movie until you suggested it. And then That's within, crazy. Within like three days like seven people brought it up i'm like this is fucking out of control i liked it though but we're starting a new little segment here i probably should have warned you now knowing that you're a beer guy but what you drinking what am i drinking right now yep oh that's pretty lame coconut flavored Lacroix. uh there's nothing lame about it because Corey's always drinking lipton iced tea okay he doesn't drink so he's got to keep it classy around here. Um, no, we had a listener write in because I generally always drink beer. He kind of called me out on never saying what they are. Gotcha. So we started this uh, What You're Drinking, and which makes it even worse because I'm drinking a buddy's homebrew. So I don't know what it is. It's good, though. The, the cap was labeled FS. So. Yeah, I don't know what that would be. That doesn't sound like it's short for any type of beer style I can think it's, of. It smells like kind of weedy. And sweet. Okay. The only thing I could think of would be a farmhouse, like if it's a farmhouse saison. Yeah, maybe a farm. Okay. And that's, could be a saison. That's the only thing I could think yeah. of. But uh, 
I know it's Kevin. It's got a little cloviness to it, a little yeah. Belgian yeast uh, characteristics there. I love Belgians. Well, Kevin, you don't listen to my podcast, but good work, man. No, just start listening to my podcast. All right, let's do some. Let's get into the news real quick. I'm gonna kill this beer. Start the next one. Um, Brett, I know you're never supposed to ask someone you just met their age, but how old are you? I just turned 36. Okay, so yeah. I, it, I'm asking because I'm, I'm hoping you have at least heard of this game, uh, yeah. Night Trap, which mm-hmm. I remember owning as a kid on Sega CD, is getting a 25th anniversary re-release on uh, PlayStation 4. Okay. Yeah. I'm super fucking excited. I like video games a lot. Um, did you play this at all when you were a kid? No, I, I was a Sega kid though. I did. I had the Sega Genesis, and I loved. You know, I had the buddy that had the Super Nintendo, and it was always the battle of like which one's better. <laughs> and I always liked the Sega because it felt like. I mean, it was it was just the it was just the marketing telling me that it was cooler. Mm-hmm. But they had slick marketing back then, you know. If you remember, like the Sonic the Hedgehog marketing, and and uh, you know, Mortal Kombat Two had the blood in it, and and uh, but they had. I don't they know. Had... I felt like I feel like it was a little bit more like I don't know, for lack of a better term, metal. You know. No, it really, uh, it really was. They had games like uh, Kid Chameleon. Yeah. Which was pretty slaughterhouse. Fucking, yep, slaughterhouse. Yeah. Um. But like you said, the biggest thing was that Mortal Kombat had blood. Yeah, and that, that was a big one. Yeah, we had Super Nintendo yeah. and Sega, and yeah. but we had Mortal Kombat on Super Nintendo, so I didn't know until you know I got to an arcade that there was blood involved. And oh, I gotcha. And then we got the fucking Sega CD. That yeah, that was like the beginning of full motion video. Now, uh-huh. Corey, I'm guessing you never. You just you were what. 27. I've never seen full motion video in my life. You were t- no, no, I'm uh, saying you were 27 years old when this game came out because you're uh, 57 I, right no, now. I, I, yes, thank you. Uh, no, I my video game system that I had uh, from the first that I can remember was an Odyssey 2 from Magnavox, Jesus Christ. which was kind of uh, the also ran to the Atari 2600. I didn't get another video game system until... I lived in my stepfather's house and they had an old classic Nintendo in there. But my one of my best friends had pretty much every system. Like every time a new one would come out, he would get it. So he had a Genesis. Uh, he got the the Sega CD later on. He had the TurboGrafx-16 and the TurboGrafx Duo, which I played the hell out of that thing Jeez. as much as I could. Uh, my other friends, I went expensive. And, yeah, my, my other friends, I went and stayed the weekend at their house one time just so i could beat a link to the past on their super nintendo so i was kind of like i i got to play video games vicariously through other people and a lot of times i would just wind up watching one of my friends like sit there and try to beat the Mega Man games all day uh i feel like we should give note to the fact that the odyssey 2 from magnavots had a ripping 128 bytes of ram yeah that that was Higher than my Commodore 64, yeah. which I replaced it with later. Now, Commodore wasn't really a gaming system, but I did play a lot of games on that. Commodore was like a computer, basically, right? Like a little home computer that they advertised as a gaming system. I was a little young for that one. I don't. Yeah, it used an Atari joystick, or you could get different style ones, but it gotcha. had the same gaming point port on it, and it had cartridges. Or um, if you invested in it, you had the the floppy disk drive or the cassette drive, which don't use a cassette drive if you can help it. <laughs> um, so, uh, back to my original point, Corey. 
Uh, Sega CD is kind of where I I remember full motion video becoming huge. They had uh, Ground Zero Texas, which was like a, a light gun shooter game. Um, Night Trap, which is being re-released. Uh, there was a su- game called Sewer Shark. Yeah, I remember the ads yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tomcat Alley, which was a fighter jet game. Um, literally every Sega CD game was just full motion video, and it was quick time events where you just hit buttons. Was uh, Echo the Dolphin on Sega CD, or was that the regular? I think it was both. Oh man, yeah, I think I remember that one as well. Um, yeah, there, yeah. yeah, there was one on Sega CD. Yeah, I never picked up that system. It, it, it that was when like Sega started releasing. Yeah, I think they were getting a little desperate. They released the CD, mm-hmm. then they released the, then they released a 32x thing that went inside the Genesis, and it was pretty terrible. But you and needed then, it to play Doom, so yeah, that was it. You could play Doom, and then that Star Wars game or something. Yep, yeah. yep. I think I think we rented a 32x from Blockbuster one time. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> you could do that when we were kids. Because you could do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, Night Trap's coming back. It's not. It's like just a remaster. They didn't add anything. I think the whole game is like an hour and a half long, but they're getting my money. And if you want, you can d- download the the theme song, which is horrendous. Yeah, I did. I watched a little trailer. That theme song is is it's terrible. Bad. It's, it's bad. really bad. Yeah. But uh, it, you make up for it with Kimberly from Different Strokes running around in a sports bra almost the entire time. So uh, yeah. you should probably also note that this is one of the first games that warranted uh, ratings. Uh, wow. it, it was the first game to get a mature rating because I believe there's nudity. Fairly positive <laughs> there's nudity. I never yeah. finished it because I never knew how. To, I never could figure out how to play it as a kid. Yeah, I didn't know. Now, the you, have, now you have a reason to to, yeah. to find the yeah. brief nudity in there. <laughs> Just close, yeah, that's the other thing close all too. The lines. Is when games like this came out, a lot of them were just kind of tap in the direction at the timing, mm-hmm. and they were really tough to figure out. It was like that in the arcade with the the two Don Bluth games, uh, Space Ace and Dragon's Lair, oh, where yeah. you, you had to memorize this pattern to be able to get through the game. But it wasn't the gameplay wasn't really anything special. You were more leading the movie across, and if you just if you didn't hit the button just right, then you fucked it up and you died. Yeah. Um, so it it may not be the greatest game in the world, but story wise and just for a sense of history, there, there's something there about it. <clears throat> I mean, the success of the re-release will depend solely on the price tag they put on it. Yeah, that's probably true too. That's that's what I'm gonna. That's Are they rele- Do they release these things on like discs, or is it just a download? Nope, it's gonna be physical disc. It's coming out through Limited Run Games. Yeah. Um, Limited Run does vinyl pressings once in a while. Apparently they've done a couple of games. This is the first I knew about it. Hmm. Um, but people, by people I mean like this one story that I randomly found at one point, think it's going to be about twenty five bucks, which is worth it. I mean, sixty would be out of control. Yeah. Um, some new game like Outlast Two just came out on um, Tuesday, and even that was only forty bucks, and that's like a brand new AAA title. Hmm. So I don't know if they're getting away from the sixty dollar mark, unless you're Call of Duty or Madden. Yeah. But. It's a lot of money for a game. Do you? St- I assume you don't still play video games. Me? Yeah. Uh, I play old games. Yeah. Pretty. Uh, yeah. I guess it's not worth it, but I can turn to show my. I play basically uh, PS. I have a PS3. I basically use it for Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like PS2 and under. Um, 
I don't know. I like old games. Uh, I'm not great at first person shooters. And they, you know, that's all, it seems like that's like the main thing now. Like I would just go on when Halo came out, you know, I would go on there and just get owned by little kids. And that's still what happened. I mean, I just don't like getting shit talked by Mm -hmm. little kids. And that's as soon as I figured out that that is the world that I would be, you know, I just sort of said, I backed it up and I said, no more. I'm just going to stick with what I know. What I know is (laughs) I, I, every year I'm like, fuck call of duty. I'm never fucking playing that game again, and I buy it every year. Yeah, this year I won't. I don't give a shit about World War Two. Yeah, wasn't an important war. <laughs> yeah, fuck whatever. Who cares about World War Two? Just some guys. No, I just it, what. This isn't the video game podcast, but I don't like the slower paced. I like fast and. Gotcha. Everything I do in my life is fast, right, Corey? I, I agree. Premature ejaculation. I have fast right. pooper. You're nothing. Nothing about you is ever going to reach maturity. No, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> ah, let's go on to the next news story. Um, I, I'm not sure this is exactly horror, but I know we've talked about this movie before, and it keeps showing up on horror sites. But uh, the new Predator has been delayed to the late summer of 2018. Hmm. Predator, yeah, the, and the original Predator to me is an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, not a horror movie, but the new one may be scary who knows it, it's kind of a mix it's it's a it's an action movie but it has a sci-fi bent but then there's there's people getting killed and slaughtered all over the place it, it, it's it's a bit of a war movie in the first one it becomes more of an urban assault movie in the second one by the time you get to predators it's it's back to being that in the forest but i think maybe even on an alien planet or something and it feels a little bit more like a horror movie again, especially because one of the people in the group is a uh, is a murderer themselves. But when they crossed over, I think is where it really happened. When you had Alien versus Predator, and Alien versus Predator Two, which is scary just in the fact that how the fuck did that film get made? <laughs> That's where it became more like a horror movie because the Aliens franchise definitely qualifies, even with all the sci-fi aspects of it, is it, they're horror films. And the the mix of those creatures and the predators trying to hunt them or survive them makes a difference in how it how it works out. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm more I'm more interested because of the people that are taking over these films because we're getting into people who are like Shane Black is doing the the Predator film. Uh, Ridley Scott is doing the new Aliens movie, although I guess there's another Aliens movie that's supposed to be the continuation of the Ripley story from earlier. But Ridley Scott's is the continuation after Prometheus, uh, which I don't know if that was necessarily the right call, but maybe it's supposed to fix all the shit that Prometheus did wrong. The thing is, is that I don't think either of the franchises are really interested in having them meet up again. Uh, certainly Ridley Scott doesn't seem to think so. He he seems to be snubbing the whole idea of Alien versus Predator. And the Predators never were really mentioned in the Alien films. It's just when they crossed over that happened. But the Predator films definitely had aliens as like trophies and stuff in them. As far as how long it's going to take, make make the best film you can. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's what we were talking about earlier is it whatever you got to do to make your art good do that and if it takes longer it takes longer i'm always concerned when i see all these movies that are announcing dates or they're going to come out and then they say and we've got these two writers working on it right now and it's like you've announced a director and the the lead actor or actress and you've given us a release date and you haven't even written a goddamn thing that bugs me 
that that doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence in what you're doing. But uh, it, in this case, it's the opposite. It's like we've we've been working on this. We know everything that's going into it, but we we need a little bit more time. Fucking take your time. Yeah, Brett, are you into Predator at all? I mean, not real, not real. I mean, I like the original one with yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I think I saw the second one when I was young. Um, I didn't see those Alien versus Predator movies, so I, I I really don't know anything about them. They didn't look very good, but I'm I, I might be wrong on that. You know, they look like they. You know, who knows? There's, there's, you know, um, but the uh, first one was kind of a payoff of a long time promise. Alien was a comic, Earth. right? It was based yeah. on a, I do. Yes. Uh, it was like, uh, based on a comic series. And then there was probably enough of a fan base for that comic book series. I'm assuming to, Oh, this is yeah. a cool idea. The comic book series actually started before aliens three came out. And I believe it starred newt from aliens. Oh, okay. Uh, she had grown up in that. And, and by the time Aliens 3 happened, it's like, oh, well, none of that can happen now. Although they're they're going to go back and they're going to retro that now. Um, but the first one had at least touches of of things that if you were a fan of either series, it worked for you. Like, for instance, the, the guy, Lance Henriksen, who played Bishop in Aliens, played the original guy who he was based off, who he was built to look like and emulate, uh, who, who was the head of the, the Wheeland, I think, Foundation. Uh, who was also named uh, Bishop something. And he's in that because he's dying. And so he's looking in, in this place to try to find a cure for what he's dying from. But it, it gives you that sort of throwback of like, okay, this is all kind of how it pins together and how it makes sense for yeah. the two franchises. Aliens vs. Predator 2 was a crap fest in and of itself. But on I top of that, that. <laughs> it, was, it was so hard to see what was happening. The screen was just dark almost yeah. the entire time. You nice. could not tell what was going on. And it was it was basically it's like, like Godfather Aliens 3 where they just made it darker just yeah. to cover up the, the they just make it darker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the production company just didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a good hot mess. And that's why it never continued past that. And it, it for a while it killed both franchises. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't know, I like Prometheus, all right. I mean, I'm, I'm. Anytime somebody has the balls to put out some dark sci-fi, I'm usually a little more lenient on it, just because there's, there's just not enough good dark sci-fi horror stuff out there. So I guess the bar is a little bit low because there's just not, not a ton of it out there. You know, when you think about it. Mm. That, so as as many flaw story flaws and stuff as Prometheus had, I was, you know, I could I could get on board just because like, okay, well, we've got some really cool visuals here. And uh, so that helped it helped it pass. Got a B. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not a huge, you know, aliens fan. I also don't care about movies and canon and this, that, the other thing. It's just I just want a good movie. Like at this point in my life, just give me a good fucking movie. Just make it entertaining. Yeah, okay. make it entertaining because unfortunately, shit is not good anymore. Yeah, most things are bad. Like when keep... did they start? When did they start being bad? Do you have a? a, a... In the mouth of madness and before. <laughs> I mean, and after. I mean, you know, I, anything after that is. <laughs> I, I don't dislike some of the, the newer movies that come out. Um, I just, we've reviewed recent movies that we both really yeah, like a lot. Yeah, I just I find uh, more things that are recent. I like less than like I watched Hot Shots one and two the other day, and my wife's like, "Why are you doing this?" I'm like, "Because these are fucking great movies." Okay. Like they don't make movies like that anymore. Um, no, they don't. They don't make too many of those now. For, no, for I mean, a number of reasons. I mean, uh, Saddam Hussein is in there with 
a, a, you know, a tiny dog and he's got tan marks for where he's wearing a bra and shit. And like, you couldn't get away yeah. with that anymore. Um, I mean, they kind of did that with the interview to a limited degree. And that watch what yeah. happened that, you know, that movie almost didn't get to come out and they had to fight to get it released at all because everybody was so freaked out that, that the guy that we're, we're just taking pisses at now, it was going to get all upset with us and, and throw a bomb at us. And it's like, yeah. wow, we probably shouldn't put out this movie. And now it's like every day, Hey, uh, fuck you, North Korea. I said, quoting, you know, a, a president, not myself, but kind of <laughs> fucking North Korea. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we we're doing it. We're, we're saying that to our own president at this point, too. Yeah, no, exactly. Since, since that day, I have not heard at so many concerts, fuck president's name. I didn't know you were a big fan of the Dixie Chicks. Yeah, uh, I, know. It's, <laughs> I am a fan of the Dixie Chicks, actually. I'm um, just a fan of Dick. That, too. Uh, chicks help. But <laughs> what a weird combination. Yeah. Or whatever you're into. I think the problem with a lot of, of what we're finding our, our enjoyment being lower and lower on recent movies is not so much that they're bad. It's just that we've seen so much of this stuff before and there's not a lot being brought that's new. It's just mm-hmm. emulating things that have gone before it. In the case of Aliens and Alien, uh, those are two movies that are very iconic and told at the time very original stories. The the horror story in space and the, the whole creepy spookiness of Alien stands out among everything else because it was one of the very first like that and aliens brings us the space marines and the whole uh like guys run around with machine guns and stuff fighting the alien creatures in space but so many things since then have copied those and so it's hard to find that that new gem that is doing something that's actually original or doesn't at least feel like a blatant ripoff like jason x has a lot of parts to it that feels like a blatant ripoff of Aliens. You know, and it's not the only one that does that. So when we see more recent films, it's that we're comparing them to things that were already done and usually were done better because somebody actually had a passion for what they were making as opposed to, oh, I'm just going to do this thing and it's going to be just like Aliens. Yeah, I also think that special effects, since you can do anything now, that it there's something to working within like creative confines of okay well how do we make this look real and scare people in real life you know on the screen um back in 19 when did aliens come out 79 alien yeah. the first one and now it's just like okay well what do we want to do you know how, like it's the sky's a limit and so you start looking at like you know okay we need 40 space marines we need 300 things. Okay. We can just copy those and mm-hmm. paste them here and you can do anything. And so I think that sometimes, uh, you know, you, when you have some confines that you're working within, um, you know, IE practical special effects and wanting to stay true to that. Um, you know, per, I mean, again, we're coming, I, I'm 36, 36. <laughs> and so I, you know, I remember those movies, and and Matt and you and Corey, you guys remember those movies and grew up with those movies, and and now when you we made that transition, it's one kind of one of the reasons why, and we'll talk about you know in the mouth of madness later. It's kind of one of the reasons why I picked that because it was like that's a very much like right on the edge of this like practical special effects to this crazy world that we live in now. You know? Yeah, 
yeah. Yeah, and, and if you look at the success of something like uh, the Mad Max Fury Road movie that came out a few years ago, a lot, not all of it, but a lot of the success came from the fact that the way that it was filmed is that stuff was actually happening. The stuff yeah. that they show on the screen, yeah. there there was definitely digital processing and stuff to enhance it and to clean it up. But those were actual stunts that were going on, and that stands out very um, completely from things like the the computer generated stuff from your Batman v Superman, where it's just you know you're just looking at digital effects all across. Mm-hmm. And and you're right, is there's something to appreciate about a practical effect or a practical stunt at this point because we know that green screens are capable of doing everything. We've been seeing them since the end of Waterworld and that movie tanked. We've been seeing them for just so long. And while they might get better and look more realistic, it doesn't mean that it's more exciting because at that point, we're just watching a cartoon. They keep saying that Disney's doing these live-action remakes of their old stuff, and here's a live-action Jungle Book. Well, Jesus Christ, I see one fucking live actor in that, but none of the rest of it is live-action shit. It's yeah. all digital animation. <laughs> it just looks great. You know, I'm not going to deny that that it looks amazing for what it is, but I could just as soon watch Zootopia and have the same feeling because I'm not connected to anything. They're not real. It's not like I can go pet the fucking babu in a in a field somewhere and like have my own little babu adventures no babu's on a fucking disc yeah a lot of discs you were really yeah. butthurt about not being able to pet babu I, <laughs> don't you want to pet a babu i don't give a fuck at all so i have seen the lion king twice i know we're not talking about the lion king but you're still talking like soon there will be a live action next. lion king yeah i i saw two live action lion kings and they were put on by fucking grade schoolers <laughs> Didn't want to see that. Don't want to see a movie. Actually, I think I saw a live action Lion King of Great Schoolers too. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Cool. I enjoyed it more because of the Great Schoolers. But yeah, I, I get what you mean. I absolutely understand. And yeah, it you can make a great film that uses effects well, but you have to have a story that's compelling to to kind of balance that. Mm-hmm. Or you can make a a great film that does not use high end special effects and probably looks. A little shitty in comparison, but you're so drawn into it that it it equals out or even seems better. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, this has been pushed to. Is there is there an actual date in here? August third, twenty eighteen. Um, it was originally supposed to come out sometime in February of twenty eighteen. Maybe they got scared because they were up against the next Fifty Shades movie. Oh yeah, yeah. That that's some special effects right there. It affects me how much bullshit is in that movie. You know what upsets me? Did you guys me? see those movies? <laughs> no. Did you? Okay. No. Oh. I watched it alone. My girlfriend uh, wasn't home, so I thought I'd... <laughs> I'm not here to judge. Um, <laughs> there's there's a billboard um, down the highway that I take to get to Milwaukee, and it there's a lot of porn stores because it's a big trucking highway. And, uh, oh, shit, I can't remember the name of the store. Anyways... They tout that they have the Fifty Shades Darker line. I'm like, oh, so Fifty Shades now has like a line of dildos. Oh, okay. Like butt yeah. plugs. Yeah, but so does Avatar. What? <laughs> Avatar has a line of dildos too. Have you ever seen the weird alien? I think there's an Avatar Fleshlight. <sighs> have you seen the alien dildos that shoot eggs out? I've heard about it, uh, and I have not seen the Avatar things either. But in person or on the internet, if you, oh. I mean, if you've seen one in person, you don't have to admit it. Okay. But I saw the a video of someone, yeah, that shoots the egg. 
Yeah. Fucking yeah. people. Not, man. not for me. Yeah, I'm not sitting I'm, on two. I'm an open minded person, but not for me. Yeah. Everybody yeah. has their own kinks. Everybody has your. We are not going to judge you for what you enjoy as long yeah. as it's not harming anybody else. You you have have your thing, and I'm I'm glad that there's a world that can that can cater to that. Did, but uh, I'm a, I'm a gentle little princess, and my soul can't handle looking at. When we looked up some stuff a couple weeks ago, uh, and I went to the wrong site to find an answer to somebody's question on here, I was just like, nope, I'm done. Did uh, did I ever tell you the vibrating butt plug story? No, Wait, no, 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 no. I, I assume you hadn't heard it, Brad, but I wasn't sure if Corey had. <laughs> is, is this your CBS How I Met Your Mother moment? No, what is it? Know. So this this is not me. My wife overheard it. She claimed she was at a porn store getting things for a bachelorette party. I'm not here to judge. But she said there was a guy who was buying butt plugs at the counter, and he paid or whatever, and then they, they asked if they had any batteries, and the guy's like, no. Why do you want batteries? And the guy goes, well, I want to try them out while I'm driving home. Like, oh, <laughs> I guess. Damn. Why wait till you get home? I mean, as long as it's hands free, that that's perfectly that's okay. Just voice activated, but yeah. vibrate. There was the sex toy that got in big trouble because they were tracking the information they were that they weren't supposed to. Of like, the sex toy could be controlled through your phone app, and they were oh, uploading God. all that information to themselves. So they got sued. And they just wound up giving everybody money. They're just like, here, we're just going to refund you. Should have bought one. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's do this last news story before we talk more about butt plugs. Um, does season three of the TV show Scream, which is currently on MTV, is uh, rebooting itself, I guess? I don't watch yeah, it. Going, going to a totally different cast, uh, yeah. new showrunner. Who is it? Queen Latifah, I think, is going to be a part yeah. of it now. Yep, that's a questionable decision. Brett, do you watch this at all? No. Is it any good? Do you? You, you, I you said you don't watch it. it. Yeah. No. Okay. No. I mean, seen the original, but that's that's maybe it's one of the sequels. But we'll actually be reviewing the original next, next week. week. Yep. Uh, but I I watched some of the the opening scene of the first episode of this from the from season one, uh, and it was just kind of like the screen movies to me walk a fine line between being slasher flicks you know and good slasher flicks because they're because of who they're made by but but having a lot of comedy a lot of great character stuff it was it was the first time we were seeing that kind of tongue-in-cheek uh meta humor of oh we we've experienced all these horror slasher flick tropes and now we're going to explore them in this movie but we're going to call them out as we see them and we're going to call call out other things before they even happen and that was very interesting for a while but we talked about this a little bit with uh, Glenn when we did Final Girls, is at some point you have to stop exploring those tropes and try to come up with something new mm -hmm. because otherwise everybody's just saying, oh, ho, ho, we're so much smarter than the horror audience that we're supposed to be catering to because we've outthought what your expectations are from these these horror movies. And it's like, yeah, but I, I also enjoy those movies and I don't want to just be made fun of. I, I want to have a really cool horror movie or I want to have a really good slasher movie. But at the same time, the Scream show, I don't know because I didn't go far enough into it. If it has that same level of, of character and comedy and writing that kind of alleviates some of the tension that I needed to. And it felt a little bit too much like some of the other shows that have been on TV, like the following um, 
where it's just you're just waiting for people to die the whole time. And I cannot handle that many shows like that. I get that with Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones breaks it up with some other brilliant character stuff at the same moment. But I can't just watch people just like, hey, I really like this. Oh, he's dead. Oh, well, I like that girl over. Oh, she's she, there went her face. You know, just I can't do that so much. And and being teenager characters and being an MTV, I wasn't really sure if it was like if I was going to be the right demographic for it anyways. I haven't watched anything on MTV since I don't remember. Jackass, maybe. <laughs> it's been a while. I'm a diehard Teen Mom fan. What you are. Fucking Teen Mom. What is D Mom? Teen Mom. Teen Mom. Teen Mom. Oh, Teen Mom. That, like those sixteen and pregnant I, shows. I can I can almost hear you losing respect for me. <laughs> well, I can't tell if you're serious or not. I no, 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 no. Dead fucking serious. Can sometimes get lost. And no, uh, I'm I'm dead serious. Um, really? Not okay. because like I have to know what they're doing with their life. I have to know how they have fucked their lives up worse this week. <laughs> like, and it makes me feel pretty good about myself. Yeah. You know, th- there's ever a question about if I'm not doing something right with my life. I just watch Teen Mom and I'm like, yeah. I could be way worse. Yeah. You were never a teen mom. <laughs> no. Yeah. I could be 24 with six kids, been married three times. Which is okay. Which is perfectly, again, we're not judging anybody here. Oh, yeah. You, you can be 24. Like if that's, if that's what your jam is, or that's where your happiness lies, you, you enjoy that, you know, but that. I've, I've known people. But you're also not on TV having yes. having MTV follow around and and exploiting your own misery for cameras, and that's a little different. Yeah. Oh, we watch Catfish too because that's I I really just like seeing the depravity of human the human beings. <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel better that you're not like those people. It's well, a little it's, bit of a it, self-esteem booster. <laughs> Catfish to me is um, fascinating in the fact that, like, how do people still let this happen to them there's a movie there's five uh, seasons of a tv show and they still don't get it you're fucking dumb Uh, yeah because everybody everybody's so desperate for love or attention then that we just hunger for (laughs) sorry sorry so ben our our guest from last week just showed up in the chat and is now just teen mom (laughs) yelling janelle at me which if you watch teen mom (laughs) will make sense thanks ben (laughs) I'm sorry, Corey, you were saying? No, I, I don't have a lot to say on it. I, I figured that where MTV really lost, the, there's that, that 16 and Pregnant show. You know, that, yeah. I'm sure that, that sells fine, but you know what would sell even better? 15 and Slutty. That That's what you do. You get them the year before do, their teen moms. Do you, uh, it's kind of like developing your own Kardashians at that point. Do either of you listen to Aziz Ansari's stand-up at all? No. Have. You have? I have. Okay. Yeah. So he has he does a joke where he's talking about how MTV has 16 and pregnant and then my super sweet 16. And he goes what they need is a 16 and pregnant where at the end method or who whatever whoever did pimp my ride shows up and he just takes he goes I'm going to raise your baby as my own. <laughs> Go back to being a teenager. <laughs> That's that that would be good. But I think to that to that fact. I think it is kind of fucked up that MTV has a show about how someone fucked up their life at 16 and another show about how someone is super duper rich and just has a giant party at 16. And and they're just miserable because nothing is going as much as they wanted to go. Like, but daddy, I needed it to be this and I wanted fucking Van Halen, but not with fucking <laughs> Sammy Hagar. What are you, an asshole? Yeah. I'm a Gary Cerrone. Um, oh, nobody wanted sure? Gary Cerrone and Van Halen. <sighs> All, right. All right. Can we be done talking about MTV? 
Please. Just one last. Do they still play any music video? Since you watch, I don't think so. I I don't I don't like watch. The I channel DVR it. Uh, I do not watch MTV. Okay. I'm trying to think of the last time. No, no. We 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 don't have cable. We have Sling for TV. Oh, okay. So literally, if TV is just on, it's on True TV because it's always on Impractical Jokers, and that show is never not funny. I'll write it down. Never seen it. Oh, come on. Sorry. I, I'm really, I'm really into stupid humor, which is possibly why I like your show. Not that you're stupid humor, but it's just. It's not the most highbrow. I admit it. Which is, there's a huge audience for it. Just think of if 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 you, once again, I'm not telling you how to do your show, but. You throw in like 12 dick jokes per two-minute episode. You're an adult swim yeah. show at this point. <laughs> I know. I know. And it might maybe season two. I was trying to – maybe I'm too clean with it. I My last web series was filthy, and um, I feel like I went maybe too far that way. Maybe I've gone too far. Not really. Too clean. I, 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 I love regular show, yeah. and it's not that far off from regular show where it's just – well, I guess if they were getting into zany – you know, if the two, the two tardigrades were getting into zany uh, – mishaps yeah but it's the same style of humor and it's not yeah. neither of them require a ton of thought which is what i prefer yeah and okay i'm just your joe everyman oh it's good it's good feedback be quite honest don't listen to me i've been drinking and i oh, it's terrible feedback. Tired. i won't listen at all <laughs> you're so fucking stupid you can make fun of me on my own podcast it's cool you know we have we have one clean podcast that we do together which we never talk about in here strange as that is uh and and it's it's a very different feeling for us when we record it, but it makes sense for it, it's something that Matt did from the beginning, and I kind of came in to help out recently. And it's it's us and another duo who do the show. Butt plugs. But yes, okay. uh, we're weekly, and so oh, yeah, butt plugs. But we we go on there and we actively think let's not swear, let's not get too out of hand. You know, unfortunately, we have tasteful Dave Nelson who's editing us to clean us up, even when we do get a little over the line. But it's a different show and it's a different audience. And I, I think that it's cool to hit both things because there are people who are going to like you and they'll follow you to either thing. But then there are people who are like, no, I really people I wanted to be this way or I only came here for the dick jokes. And I think that this show is is dick joke heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Well, hey, Corey and our, my personality is dick joke heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just the way we are. It's... But I have a personality at work that's like this but light yes yeah you know? yeah, yeah me too i have a hard sure, time remembering a, not to yell you gotta be a little anymore. more yeah you gotta be a little more reserved depending on your workplace uh i used to work in an equipment room at a film school so it was like this but maybe heavier on the dick jokes it, it was right you know so i guess if you work in a cubicle you might you might want to you know when i worked with all it people it it was this at maybe the next level up but when I'm in an office with salespeople and managers and the president of the company, everything, it's just a couple steps down. In all cases, I'm still me, and, yeah. and anybody there has a pretty good idea of who I am as a person. But there's a different part of me that maybe you don't get all of the Corey that day. Gotcha. Except my wife. I just like when people don't talk to me at work. Yeah. It's a different different story, though. Um, yeah. Let's get into In the Mouth of Madness. Unless you guys want to make fun of MTV sure. some more. We can do it through this. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Corey, do you want to do a recap? Um, 
I really Ugh. like this movie, but as I was explaining to Brett before you showed up, um, this is I had, I had not really heard of this movie, and this is the first time I have seen it. And it's not like it's straightforward Mm-mm. either. Uh, it, it's it's okay. So, in the mouth of madness was made in 1994 by John Carpenter. Uh, it is a psychological Lovecraftian kind of film. It 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 definitely has that aspect of the the Cthulhu uh old gods kind of thing to it but it feels in a lot of ways like it's written to be about stephen king because they they reference stephen king a number of times in the movie they do reference him but they always say but our guy's better Mm -hmm. and 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 certainly the book cover and stuff look like stephen king uh style covers that you would expect in the the mass paperback stuff so this uh writer uh kane has written all these books and they sell in the billions and they sell in multiple languages and they're huge. And everybody is like waiting for this new release of his next book called in the mouth of badness. And he has disappeared. So they hire this insurance uh, investigator to come and try to help find him right before he gets hired by this company. He gets attacked by somebody with an ax who who get shot by the cops. It turns out that the guy who attacked him was actually the agent for the writer. He had no idea at the time until he's talking to them at this company. So they want him to go find the writer. And what he works out is a set of clues that he finds in the designs of the covers on each of the covers of his books. He puts them together and they form a map to a secret town that doesn't really exist on any other maps anywhere. Uh, so he follows it with the editor of the the books. This woman, what was her name? Uh, Styles, I believe. Styles. Styles. Yeah, that's right. I kept thinking she was from Teen Wolf. Uh, so he and she go to this town. They find the place by driving through some weird thing where they they fall asleep and go completely off the road, and then wake up and it's daylight and everything. Um, and they're trapped in this town, and this town seems to be the place and the all the characters from this guy's books. They all exist here. So it's kind of like if you're Stephen King and you wake up in Derry, Maine, and, and you run into Cujo, and you run into uh, Pennywise, and you run into all these other people and stuff that you've written, except you're not Stephen King. You're a person who's read a lot of Stephen King. And as they're trying to figure out what's going on in this town, the the actions and stuff that they expect from these characters start to happen. Like the woman who owns the the bed and breakfast that they stay at is killing her husband, you know, and kids are chasing this dog down the street. and They're all kind of demonic. And there's all these different parts from the books that kind of add up and they see things that shouldn't exist in the town. But they open up the window and there they are, uh, this church and stuff. That's kind of where it starts, or, or that's more of the halfway point in it, is how much of this is actually real, how much of this has been staged. Uh, Sam Neill, as John Trent, keeps a, a, attempting to tell them, you guys are just doing this for publicity for his next book release. You know, none of this is, is actually happening and stuff. This is all big con. And they're like, no, we we're going to do something like that, but we didn't. He actually disappeared, and now I have no fucking idea how we got to this place and what's happening here. But it's 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 a general mindfuck, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really. Yeah, not, 
Sorry. No, no, no. After, after you. I was going to say that was a pretty good description. And I think I understand the movie better after your description of the movie. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. It's, I'm paying attention. Yeah, one of us has to. Yeah. Um, it's really fucking confusing, um, especially with the way the movie starts. But obviously, it's one of those movies. And Brett, yeah, I know you've listened to the episode, but we, we're spoil, we'll spoil everything. So don't hold back. Um, I like that it started the way it started and then it ended the way it started. Because when I first started, and it, it kind of makes the movie make more sense. Because nothing really makes sense. I, I feel like I yeah, just I, I smoked a over the, pot and I'm trying to opening. explain math to someone. I skipped over the opening scene, which is uh, John Trent gets pulled into this asylum and gets locked up because everybody thinks that he's crazy. And we don't really know why at that point. And then they are expecting this famous doctor... Uh, Dr. Wren, who was played by David Warner, who played the evil in Time Bandits and is so fucking great. Uh, he comes in and he's trying to figure out what the hell is wrong with Trent. And Trent's like, the fucking end of the world is going to happen. And it's because of this this writer and this book that just came out and it's going to cause all this insanity. And in that regard, the whole like the book is going to cause everybody to go crazy and kill each other and everything. That reminded me so much of Halloween 3, the season of The Witch, which was the first Halloween movie oh, not directed the, by John Carpenter. That's the dumb one. It, it's, it's the dumb one. It's a very different one. But the idea of, like, we're trying to stop the world from getting destroyed, but we have to call all these TV stations to stop them from playing this commercial. And, and one of the stations like, no, fuck it. We're going to keep playing the commercial. And then all the kids' faces are going to melt into spiders. Spoilers for Halloween 3. I forgot that that's how that movie went. I thought it was weird, like how they made the movie and that's how the, the world ends because so many people, like it's just, it's a fucked up concept. Yeah. yeah I, they, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think, you know, you have to take the movie, like the when you, you see the beginning and you have to, yeah, I guess you have to say, okay, this is reality. This is the actual reality that we live in. This is the real world. And at the very end, it is as well. And everything in between is a flash, is sort of, it's told through a flashback. It's sort of set up on this frame. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you don't know. Yeah. After you've, after you've watched the whole thing, then you kind of have to go back and think like, okay, well, if she was a character and, so, you know, if she was a character, then what really happened when he went into that office the first time? She just wasn't there. You know, so that scene didn't exist in that same way. Oh, when she went and, and when he went and talked to Charlton Heston, which is Charlton Heston being in there is kind of a random. Uh, random There's a lot cameo. of good cameos in this. Yeah. Good cameos. It's just a, that was a random one. I forgot he was in it. I hadn't seen a movie in a little while. But like, you're like, OK, so when he actually went in there. Was that just a whole different exchange? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a mind fuck, and I, you know. Well, I mean, and and part of it is that they they tell Trent in the Crane tells him right when he sends him back to deliver the the finished work. He says, "But you're part of the story too. We, I wrote you. You're you're not real either." Yeah. And Trent's trying to convince himself, "No, I am real. I I exist. You can't tell me that I don't exist." 
but he has to follow the same path. It, it, as he tries to deviate from what his story is, if I'm not going to deliver this book, I'm, I'm going to leave it here in the middle of the road. And then when it shows up later on, it gets mailed to him. Oh, well, I'm going to burn it. And then in the end, he goes to Charlton Heston. He's like, well, we can't release this book. And the guy's like, well, you already gave it to me several months ago. Because his story was always going to be that he delivered this book. And that's what's going to cause everything to happen. But what I think it is, is that there is the real world. And then there's the world that Crane has been creating in his stories, which he actually, he realizes he didn't create so much as he was kind of seeing it and getting pulled into it. So it's this thing trying to creep out that is from the imagination or from somewhere else, but it has to kind of peek its way into reality. And it does that by people believing into it. And he makes this comment of, you know, more people read my books than read the Bible. You know, and the reason why the Bible and why God and stuff exists is because people have all read it and they all have the same vision and they all believe in it. But more people believe in my stuff now than that. So why wouldn't this become real? And so that's what it is, is it's it's a creature or creatures or gods that didn't exist or didn't quite exist, but became more powerful because everybody believed in them. That that power of groupthink, that power of of uh, an insight that we all share. It's like if everybody has kind of worked up their their heart rate, if you're watching a movie, you're watching a scary movie in a room full of people. And you all are kind of like getting the same mode of like we're all kind of a little frightened anyways, we're all on edge and you hear a bump. That bump magnifies from being just a simple bump or a simple creak of your house settling to there's somebody in the next room and you all freak out together. That's why seeing horror movies in movie theaters is a different experience than seeing them at home by yourself. You know, you can create your own kind of world, but then when it's a shared world, it becomes even more powerful. Interesting. Yeah. Holy fuck, Corey. <laughs> that was a lot of information. <laughs> yeah. I need it. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or it could just be that there was a lot of meth and all the books were lined with it. I don't know. It, it, Corey just yeah. broke the show. Choose your own adventure. Yeah. Broke my, yeah, hurt my head. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize how confusing the movie was until I, because I picked it based on like, oh, I love John Carpenter. Uh, I, I you know I remember the movie in a certain way, and then I rewatched it today, and I was like, I don't know if I could explain what that movie was. I I can't explain that plot from A to B at all. Exactly. <laughs> I just I know there's cool images in there, and but when you start, yeah, Corey, I think you did a really fine job there. But <laughs> uh, that that moment when uh when Crane is sending him away, when he's sending him through the the portal. And, and Crane walks over to the door to let the creatures out, essentially, to let them into the real world. Yeah. And you see it sort of tear. Yeah. And it's the, the tears are, you can see on the other side, it's the text of the book. It's the text of the stories. They're tearing their way out of the stories into reality. Sure. And that's where it kind of it adds up to that. Yeah. So him, be, him being in the mental institution was actually written by Sutter Kane. So the whole thing is like a, a sort of a closed loop. Like that, that isn't reality then, or is it? That's what I'm confused about now. That, that's reality, but he's trying to still fight the reality from happening. That was his last gasp of he's he's going around and he's attacking people. Uh, he goes and he hits somebody with the axe because he's read the book. And he, he kills him, and then he gets taken to the insane asylum. But the reason why he's doing it is because he's still trying to keep 
this new reality from happening. The movie's just about to come out. And so he's trying to hit the people who obviously have seen it, have gone crazy. Because you see when the guy comes up and he's like, oh, have you read the book? And he's got blood coming from his eyes, yeah. watching the way yeah. that Styles did earlier. He's like, yeah, that's great. Hack. You know, yeah. and and that's what the the editor had tried to do to him. Yeah. He assumed at that point that he had already read the book. If he had managed to kill him at that point, it would have mm -hmm. stopped things from progressing. But he uh -huh. doesn't have a choice because the story's already been written. Their parts of it already been played. Later on the in the movie, when they're still in the town, the father whose whose son has died and uh, whose wife and daughter has died, and he's got the gun up to his face, played by the guy who played Vigo in Ghostbusters 2. Um, when he oh, goes, that was him. I, he looked very recognizable. Yep. Yeah, he puts a gun up to his mouth, and and uh, Trent's like, "Don't." He's like, "I have to. It's already been written. You know, this this is what I have to do." And he he shoots his head off. Yeah. They they've realized at that point that they're all characters in this story, and the story has now that it gets finished by Crane, it's mm -hmm. done. There's so no way out. So the editor character who tried to kill him in the beginning, had he already been? Had he already been to what was it called? Hobbs, that Hobbs town, End. Hobbs End. No, what had, what had happened he in there and done all of this stuff as well, or something like? Had he seen the end of the book and he was trying to stop? He and the editor. So the editor is is Styles. The agent is the oh, one the, who tries the to agent, kill Trent. Right, the agent. Yeah. They're the only ones who had at that point read any of the book, and they hadn't read the completed one yet. I hadn't seen the end. Was still working on it. Yeah, but it was that was kind of the moment of it, that was starting to show them the the insanity that's coming. Yeah, uh, they're reading the book and they're seeing the world that it's happening, and so it opens their eyes to what's going on, and that's why he was bleeding from the face. That's why she later on was bleeding from the face is because the realization of like this is story has now caused my reality to change and it's opened my eyes to the insanity that is this is a common theme with a lot of Lovecraft stuff is the insanity of, of the Cthulhu gods and things um, so he's now seen the future to his degree and understands his part of it and so while he is acting out what he has to act out it's, it's part of the plot is that he has to go and try to kill this guy I think Crane even says something to that effect to him um, he if he could have just stopped Trent from doing anything, then it would have stopped. But at that point in time, he's doing it because he's read the story. And then she starts to go crazy because she's read some of the story. Oh. And when Crane shows her the rest oh, of it, Kane. that he's written. Sorry, Kane. Yeah, Kane. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's all right. uh, I keep confusing him with Crane because uh, I think Crane is Scarecrow from the yep. Batman. Yeah mythology uh which is kind of a a matching thing in fact arkham asylum is named after the publishing house of hp lovecraft i think maybe wrong on that might be bradbury but yeah it it's a it's a good story um it would have been interesting to see there were other people that they had chosen to direct it before carpenter came on uh Tony Randall was one. Mary Lambert, who uh, I think she did the Pet Cemetery movies. She was another one. But landing with Carpenter, Carpenter adds something that it just felt like it was in the right hands. It felt like his style of movie anyways. I loved the fucking music at the opening and the end, which was, yeah. of course, composed by him. Any excuse to have Carpenter do, yeah. do a score for your film is, is the right thing to do anyways. Mm -hmm. But he it does also all his felt... own movies. I mean, he does. Yeah, you know, he he was just on tour. I don't know if you guys 
new I mean, like recently he was he's he was touring around with his son playing all his themes i saw him here in austin it's great yeah he just had a, a new album come out i think yeah. last year or the year before the second yeah. one of his of his albums that are they sound like music from his movies but they're actually new stuff uh yeah his his stuff is just great mm-hmm. but it, it i another movie that i really like of his even though it's it's not good uh is the prince of darkness and i think it came out just a little while before this yeah and it, it feels so. very similar in yeah. in tone and what it is. Prince of Darkness was eighty seven, so yeah, it was a seven year difference. Yeah, but it, it just there's something about the way that he he does things that it just felt appropriate for that style of movie. Yeah, oh, that's kind of how I feel about like his whole kind of canon. They all feel like they're a part. As, I mean, I always enjoy the world that he creates. It might not be the best movie, but they all have this sort of uh, I don't want to say cohesive because this movie wasn't really cohesive. But when you when you dip into when you dip into the world of the movie, you're in a John Carpenter world, uh, you know. And and th- even I feel like there's between uh, Big Trouble in Little China to um, maybe less so the thing. The thing sort of feels like its own. It feels like its own individual i mean it's got some john carpenter obviously he he did helped with the music and stuff like that but um like they live and um you know what else prince of darkness is a good one they all they all feel like they're a part of this john carpenter world and you when you when you jump it when you delve into them even if it's not the best movie for some reason from for me at least it's there's sort of this level of comfort like oh i'm in this cool this cool world and uh I and mean, that's one of the, you know again like same thing with this one not not the best john carpenter movie but i always enjoy you know a horror film where we go into a small town i guess that's sort of the stephen king thing too where, yeah. but go into this small town and you feel like you're a part of this this weird world that you can't get out of and he he you know then he expertly puts his score in there and you know by the end of it you're like well i don't know what i just watched but but it was entertaining. And again, it's sort of stuck with me, you know? And uh, yeah. Yeah. Matt actually had John Carpenter come up on his recent episode of Dinies percentile. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one of the places that this movie came up. Yeah. I was going to say, it, it seems like that you were just, it was almost, almost like it was written. Uh, <laughs> you were going to talk about that. Um, but yeah, there. I haven't watched everything of John Carpenter's, but everything I can think of is all very distinct, and it all kind of stands out. You're right, though. The thing feels a little different. I think because it's just, it was taken to be so serious in what it is. It, it's it's not. There's not a lot of lightweight to it, and there's not a lot of psychological yeah. stuff to it, other than the fact of like you're you're being psychologically tortured because you don't know who to trust. The trust thing is very big in that. Uh, but even if you go back to Halloween, Halloween feels different from the other films too because it's it's still sort of real world yeah. in a lot. You don't of it. really laugh at it very much. Whereas, like you know, I mean, I feel like the thing you, you don't laugh at that movie. Whereas there are oh, definitely no. as, aspects of of you know many aspects of they live. Have you guys seen They Live? Yep. I mean, it's it's silly, but you laugh at that movie sometimes. But I don't know. I love that movie, you know, but. There's definitely times when you you know they're having a nine minute wrestling match when you're just like, 
oh, I'm just going to sit back and watch them have this wrestling match and get a good laugh out of it, you know? Yeah, you put a They Live next to a Big Trouble in Little China or yeah. a um, Escape from New York, and they all kind of make sense tonally together. Yeah. But you put this next to uh, Prince of Darkness because it's sort of a the outside world that you don't understand invading the normalcy of your of your world. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's much more of a, a supernatural psychological fuck up with it. And it's it ends in a way that you feel like it was always sort of predetermined and there's no way to control or change the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I think that's the other thing too is the the end of Prince of Darkness reminded me a little of the end of this as well because it's like they're trying to keep this one thing from happening and then they realize at the end that no we we didn't keep it from happening it's still going to happen like this but what we assumed that thing happening was it actually isn't it's something else entirely and that's that's very well in tune with what this is but it's still they're different movies and they they tonally they feel very different so you can't say that one is a rip off of the other uh, especially because this is written by somebody else entirely. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking good movie. It is a pretty good movie. My wife kept saying it. She's like, this is a great movie. And she'd seen it, and she was a fan of it. And I'm like, yeah, we'll see. And by the end of it, I'm like, I, yeah. That was your first time to watch it, Corey? I, I think I've seen parts of it before, but it, yeah. it was on late night on cable, and I came in the middle of it. And you don't want to come in in the yeah. middle of a movie like this. You see, you just seemed very familiar with it. And I was like, wow, I, how many times have you seen it? But wow. No, okay. this is, this is my first time actually. And I think I avoided it before because I couldn't figure out what was going on from the parts that I had seen. Yeah. So I just kind of like, well, you know, it's probably, it's probably not that good. You know, it's from mid nineties. I mean, what kind of mm-hmm. shit movies do they make then? Now we know uh, better than today. Yeah. According to Matt. We don't have time for that conversation. <laughs> <clears throat> um, any other points, or do you guys want to score the movie? I have one other point, and then I'm ready to score the movie. Um, I guess one of the things that I, when I first saw this movie, I looked at when it was released, and I thought it was, you know, I, I, I watched it, and then I was like, holy shit, this came out in 94. And I thought, okay, this is like 89, something like that. And then I realized Jurassic Park came out one year before. So Sam Neill was in the, what I would say is like the divide between Jurassic Park came out in 93. It was cutting edge, you know, some of the best CG, some of the best special effects we'd ever seen. And you still have, and then you have him coming out a year later in this movie that's, you know, 90% practical special effects and feels like it's part of a different generation. It didn't feel like a 90s movie. And no, so yeah. I always kind of looked at it. This this actor was a part of this very clear divide between those older movies and what we have now. And yeah. and that's that just was, it. He he cool. did he did Jurassic Park and he did this. Yeah. And then he he wasn't in Jurassic Park two. And Sam Neill's career seems like it should be much bigger than it is. It it feels like he's an actor that you enjoy seeing him on the screen. He he's done some really great stuff, but then he's also done a lot of stuff that could have just been anything. It could have just been junk as far as people are concerned. And he, he hasn't stopped acting, but you don't see him in a lot of things. And it's it's like, man, why don't we get more Sam Neill? They're talking about Goldblum is going to be in the next Jurassic World. And it's like, that's great. I like me some Goldblum. Don't get me wrong. Where's Sam Neill? Yeah. Well, 
Sam Neill did Jurassic Park 3, which was somehow even worse than Jurassic Park 2, I guess. Yeah. I never saw 3, so... Oh, never man. Watched it. Was 3 it, the one where you... they got to the city? Uh, that was 2. That was the was end two. of 2. Okay. I never but saw three Jurassic World, they... for what that's worth. But... People keep sending their goddamn kids to the goddamn Jurassic Park... And so three was they go looking in there because William H. Macy and Taya Leone, their kid has gotten lost there. And so they're, they convince Sam Neill's character to go back with them to rescue him. But I don't think they give him all the information until they get there. I think Vince Vaughn's in that one, too. Holy shit, really? I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, it's been a little while for all of them, but. All right, let's go ahead and score it. Um, we're going to score this bad mamma jam on the patented FAP scale. It's not really patented, but I do masturbate a lot. Uh, we're going to start off with the feature of the movie on a 0 to 5 scale. Uh, Brett, as our esteemed guest, you get to go first. Uh, how was the story to you, the acting? Very 90s, but... So I'm just rating it on story and, and acting. And a- actually, after we've talked about it, I did have... I had it written down as a three, but I'm bumping it up to a four. I, uh, yeah, now that I've got a little clar- clarification on the story, thanks to Corey here. It happens uh, to me all the time, so don't, don't <laughs> even feel bad. Yeah, now that we've talked about it, I think I'm going to bump it up to four. Nice. Corey? Uh, for the story, I think the story was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, I enjoy the, the idea of a writer getting lost in his own stuff. It's a little never-ending story, but even better. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go four. Uh, well, make life a little easier across the board. I also gave it a four. Um, I'm really excited to actually go back and watch that. But we'll cover that in the next uh, the next uh, score. God damn, I need to take a nap. Uh, next category is attention, uh, zero to five. Um, would you purchase this movie, Brett? Would you uh, recommend yeah. it to friends? Clearly, you've recommended it to us, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're friends, but... Yes. Um, you know, I would, I would, I'm going to go with four again. Um, I think it's got a pretty high rewatchability and partly because it is a mind fuck of a movie. So you, you, after you watch it, you're like, okay, I don't think I got all of that. And I, you know, um, for my money, any movie where I have that feeling at the end where it's like, okay, that, that had a lot of cool stuff in it. And at the end of the, at the end of the day, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to, sit down with a buddy, drink some beers and watch that movie. Yep. I, um, um, there's um, a bunch of friends I went to high school with who used to watch a lot of horror movies. And, and we started this thing where we go to, um, are you familiar with Door County at all in Wisconsin? It's the peninsula. No. Okay. So there's a, a small town in Door County called Egg Harbor and they have a, an, a beer fest every fall. So last year was the first year we went and we just sat and watched horror movies the night before and got real drunk and recorded a podcast. So I actually want to, if we don't do a podcast this year up there, um, I want to take this movie up there to watch it with them. Cool. Because things would get real interesting when you got a bunch of beer in you. Yes. Yeah. Um, I believe... How many beers did you drink last night? I had two bombers. Okay. Uh, I had a Boulevard Changeling. Okay. And an Ale Asylum Bourbon Barrel-Aged Impending Descent. Okay. Then a glass of scotch. 
Yeah. Then that, uh, that's a mistake, but it's a good mistake. Yeah, and yeah. At well, the time, it's a good mistake. It was this this some friends of ours, some friends of mine, um, have this party once a year, but you have to like dress up because they're like fancy fuckers. Oh, like dress up. Not, yeah. So I'd like, like wear a tie, like, which uh, I'd never Halloween. fucking do. Okay. Yeah. Um, and no, none of them drink beer, so they're like, if you want beer, bring your own. And I only brought two bottles. <laughs> Does the tie ever get caught in the zipper from your gimp mask? I just want no, to make sure. No, I'd loosen the tie pretty much instantly so there's no choking or anything. Okay. Um, but you love the choking. But, fuck. So, yeah. So, then I had scotch. Um, it was a Glenmorange 10-year. Yeah. Which is pretty fucking good. It was the first time I had it. Then I had two vodka tonics. And then I had a 7 and 7. Damn. How are you standing right now? Sitting, I should say. Oh. <laughs> Just, I'm. It's it's a fuzzy cloud. Okay. Know, like I said this morning was. Really we'll, we'll get through this. Yeah. <laughs> I did eat like three quarters of a veggie pizza when I got home last night. Okay. The safety. Yeah. <laughs> pizza. It was pretty fucking good. I don't even know where we are right now, Corey. Are, is, uh, sorry, I, I no, got no, us no. off track there. Never. Did, did you give your score, Brett? The yeah, for I said I said four on uh, what is it? Uh, rewatchability and yep. recommendability. Yeah, recommendability. I don't know. Okay. Recommendability. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Corey. Um, I'm gonna go three. I think it's I think it's a quality movie. I think it works more in for me, the the idea of watching it together in uh I'm gonna I'm gonna watch a bunch of har- uh carpenter films. If I'm gonna watch Prince of Darkness and watch this as as like a double feature, I think that would be fun, but I don't know that it's gonna be my go to just to jump on like oh I really need to see in the mouth of madness right now. Did you give it a number and I missed it? Three. Uh, three. three. Jesus. Oh, I even wrote it down. Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, based on what I said before we got into what a night I had, I I um I gave it a four. And then last uh, category we have is the the scariness or the panic. Um, on a zero to five scale, Brett. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to go three on that. Um, I think there's some, I think there's some nice scares in there. And I think that, um, I think that, you know, one of the things that, that I don't really, I don't really get creeped out by like monsters and stuff like that, but I do love their presence in the movie. I love animatronic monsters. So while I don't think they're all that scary, I do love them. I completely agree with I, that's how I feel about movies these days. Corey, how about you? Yeah, I agree. The the monsters when they show up, they're more of a not so much of like, oh, here's a bunch of monsters and here's what you need to be scared of because you're already at a point where you've been taken down this this road of scary shit's happening anyways. There there's people that are trying to kill him in the town. It doesn't matter as much that there are now creatures crawling through the wall. It's all part of the same thing. It's just the culmination of everything. Uh, but when they do show up, the the effects are pretty good. They're practical when they're chasing him down the hallway. Uh, the moment when Styles is standing behind the door and you can see all the tentacles and shit that have just kind of poured out of her and then she has to pull herself back together. Or the the lady and her husband that were chained together in the hotel. That was a creepy and, little... I forgot about that moment. And it's so quick. It's happened so quick, yeah. but you just see this naked old dude <laughs> lying there, chained to, oh, what's her name? Frances Bay, the actress. That's Miss Pickman, I think. 
I'm not sure. yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong name. But anyway, she's a recognizable actress, but you just see her ch- him chained there. And it's quick. But that one, that's like a genuinely like disturbing image. You know, that, that one kind of pulls you like, oh, okay, wow. <laughs> Glad yeah, there was there were so many people in this that were just just random parts and stuff um, that were great and didn't need to be in there. You almost felt like they were kind of almost slumming for, I mean, some of them like John Glover. I love John Glover. I've, I've loved him pretty much everything I've seen him in. He's not a big name actor, but as soon as you see him, you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. That guy right on. Cool. Um, and, uh, just in general, it, it, it came together really well, but that's not, that's not the, uh, the rating, what we're rating on the panic and stuff. I'm going to give it a three again, but I'm going to rate it where it would have been lower because as horror movies go and as far as like seeing people get killed and stuff, it's not super up there, but all the psychological stuff of, of telling you you're in the story and how the things kind of change and how the personalities of people that he's around change in front of him and he just can't control it. And he's trying to escape the town and keeps coming back. I think that that adds to it. So yeah, I'm going to go three. Uh, I also give it a three. I, I didn't think it was scary, but I really did. Uh, the effects were really well done uh, with it being such an insane movie. Like it, it, they could have made things look cheesy really easily. And I don't, I feel like that didn't happen. So I was pumped about that. A three. Uh, Corey, can you read the stuff? Yeah, you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966. Uh, you can email us at pot at gncast.com or leave us a message on the website, gncast.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know, you know, is Aliens a horror film? Is Predator a horror film? It, what do you think? Where, where Where's the line drawn? And And is there one of these things? What is the best carpenter movie in your opinion we'd like to hear what your thoughts are on those things and maybe we can use that information on a future show you can also follow the show on twitter facebook we've got a page there and instagram at podcast of terror and you can subscribe to us via itunes stitcher google play or any of your favorite podcatchers and leave us feedback there or rate us we would appreciate it all subscription options and links can be found at gncast.com slash subscribe and you can join us on the facebook page for the network at Galactic Network. Uh, Brett, we want to hear from you again. Where is the best place for people to find you? I know we asked you for your Twitter and stuff earlier, but should they just go to that or should they look at your YouTube page? Where do you uh, want to probably the, Yeah, or just, you know, the website, which has all the videos on it, and that takes you wherever you need to go. And that's that's easy. That's texastardigrades.com. Um, find me there. And oddwoodales.com for my beer. So excited. <laughs> uh, Corey, how about you? Uh, you can find the comics that I help publish at don'tastcomics.com. Matt, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt the Lifeguard. Or and if you want to see how much I drink on a given night, untapped, drown the mat. And also, you can find Matt and I together on the other show that we do called Weird World Weekly here which on the Galactic. Which Network. is legal in all 50 states now, Corey and I being together. That's it. Just going to leave it at that. Whatever. <laughs> Brett, thank you again for coming to hang out. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, thanks. Look, thanks for having me. Look forward awesome. to uh, all things Texas Tardigrades in the future. Yeah. Um, cool. Feel free. Let me know when you want to come back. We can do this again. It was a good time. All right. I'll awesome. try and not hit her hard the night before and be a little more with it. 
I'll hit it really hard the night before and not oh, be with God. it. There you go. Yeah, it's about time someone does it to me. Okay. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Podcast of Terror. We will talk to you guys next week. Hi there. This is Brett Stewart from Geek Cinema Society. Are you a film lover? Do you consider yourself a connoisseur of the silver screen? Well, Geek Cinema Society is a weekly roundtable program where each episode we touch on a film considered pivotal to geek culture. From Blade Runner to The Goonies to Mad Max, we dig into it all. Plus, our guest each week hasn't seen that week's film until the episode. Join me and my co-hosts, Nicole Davis and David Luzader, on a spectacularly fun journey that hits your podcast feed every Sunday. Available on Blazing Caribou Studios. Next week on the Podcast of Terror. Next week we are joined by host of the Apex and the Abyss podcast. Name's Erica. She seems very nice. Um, the Apex and the Abyss, if you're not familiar, is a true crime podcast. Much like any number of them. And... Um, my dogs decided to be dicks right now, so that's what's going on behind you, in case you're wondering. It's not your dog. It's mine. It's always my dog. could be your dog, too. You don't know. I mean, yeah. maybe you should go pet him. Maybe you should give him a little bit of Fido food and see what's up. I'm just going to beat him. Beat him <laughs> like the dogs that they are. Uh, so, yeah, next week we're going to be talking about Scream. I'm excited. I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, plus, seems like a cool fucking guest. And her download numbers make ours look silly, so it's not hard to do. Thanks. Challenge accepted, people. I mean, yeah, 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 right? Tell your friends. <laughs> so thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast, Darren. We will talk to you guys next week. Stay scared, everybody. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.